you will cry to touch. Oh, what's been happening at Bailey House on news and interviews? Don't go anywhere else for another rabble. We don't gamble. We number one for fun with a Bailey Battle. Bailey Battle. Bailey Battle. Bailey Battle. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's right, folks. You are listening to the Bailey Babble. I'm Matt, your host for the most hair missing, and joining me in the Babble studio today is a bloke that just called me Baldy. Yeah. Matt Kirk, welcome to the microphone. Thanks, Baldy. You're obviously getting very comfortable here at the Babble. Well, you're yeah, old man. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> You've been talking to Angus or something. Yeah, like an old man. G'day to Angus if you listen. Luke, co host Luke, welcome, mate. How are you going? Um, I'm good. Uh, big game on Saturday. Coming in. The Wickers, Halston Wick versus Bailey House, and I think uh, we batted pretty well once again and bowled pretty well too. And let's not overlook our fielding. Who won, Luke? Oh, don't be all shy about it. We had a strong victory once again. Sean. Yeah. Did you have a good time? <laughs> Did you have a good time at Elstonwick? Elstonwick gave us a challenge. Yeah, that probably was one of their better efforts. But we got the chocolates once again and a big thank you to the, big thank you to the boys at Elstonwick and girls for their ongoing support. Co-host Gav's here too. G'day, Gav. I'm bloody awesome. You're bloody awesome every bloody week. Yeah, I know. Brilliant. All right. And, and, and looking forward to your input today. And, of course, uh, Mr Lloyd is here today. G'day, g'day Matt. Hello. A lot of mats here today. Yeah. One, two, three of us. We need yeah. to get rid of one. Yeah. I need to get rid of one. Yeah, I know which one you want to get rid of. Hey, well, Matt, we've got a, a, a special guest today. Um, well, he, he's the Bailey House Facilities Maintenance Coordinator. And apart from that, I reckon he's one of the nicest men on planet Earth. Ladies and gentlemen, go nuts for Mr Ray Fairley. I beg your pardon? You don't have to. T- That's r- <laughs> the listeners don't need to know what I'm up to. Hey, Ray, welcome to the Babble. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much, Matt, for inviting me today. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be an absolute wonderful day and a good, good chance to have a chat to everyone here. And I love the Bailey Babble. It is absolutely wonderful to listen to all the, uh, all the interviews and all the chats that you guys do. Oh, beautiful. So you, you regularly listen? I do when I can. I try and listen to a few of the ones and everything else. Oh, I must ones. admit, I've got to remind myself all the time, but it is good to listen to. And this has been going for a long time. I know that, Matt. You've been doing this for a long time. Well, Ray's going to be interview 51, Gav. Yep. For the podcast. And before that, of course, yeah, we had other sort of forms of this, didn't we, Gav? Prior to that, Ray, facilities and maintenance coordinator, how many years does 2024, Luke, am I right at the moment? I don't know. I think it's 2024. This marks how many years at Bailey, right? Uh, this year is my 40th year. So I've basically by, I think it's March or April this year, I would have completed 40 years at Bailey House. All right, so we've got a bit to get through and there'll be a bit of reminiscing going on, I reckon. Gav, can you get the ball rolling, please, mate? What do you do at Bailey House? 
Okay, so what do I do at Bailey House? Um, so if we're talking it from the facility and maintenance management... Um, yeah, yeah, just your current role, thanks. My current role. So that's coordinating anything from our essential services, our fire service, making sure that all our fire extinguishers, everything is compliant, um, to also doing little jobs around, you know, repairing things, uh, broken taps, little things that, you know, easy jobs to do or calling in our electricians with, and I work close, very closely with Paula and Steve Moss as well. So we, we do a lot of jobs around setting up places as well, re-putting up tables, things like that, working with electricians, um, odd jobs, little odd jobs around the place and everything. Keep, so, keep the wheels turning. So this is across every Bailey House site? It's across every Bailey House. So we've got, you know, when you look at it, all the facilities and that, I think there's about 13 or 14 different properties with all the accommodation houses, the uh, corporate services, which is an Nepean, the day services, and, um, yeah, just the all houses. the regular, plus all the vehicles as well. The For those people that are new to Bailey House, right, how many uh, residences do we oversee? Oh, look, uh, I, I'm trying to remember on the top of my head, I think there is actually nine residents that we actually oversee. Um, not all of them we own, but we still have to maintain and look after the properties and make sure they're safe for all the residents living there and the staff and everything, yeah. Luke, you live in a Bailey house house, right? Yes. So, Ray, you, I beg your part, have you ever had any problems at your house? <coughs> Plumbing or anything? Broken pipes or a door handle that won't work? Because problems can happen, Matt, Matt, Kirk, problems can happen all, at all hours of the day and night, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So does that mean, Ray, you're on call 24 hours a day? 24 hours. No, I'm not, I'm not on call 24 hours a day. Um, but where it is emergency, we know that the residentials have got, they've got the emergency contact numbers and that. But uh, if it's something that we can do, we will try and get, you know, get there as soon as possible. Yeah. And, and so tell us about the other members of that you work alongside, Steve, Steve and Paula. What's Paula's title? Okay, so Paula is actually a facility and maintenance manager. So Paula oversees everything that uh, all checks on the facilities um, app and everything, makes sure the jobs are done, uh, allocates, some, allocates a lot of the jobs to everyone. It'll either be jobs uh, allocated to myself or to Steve or to the electrician or Peter, our plumber, or our services that we need. And we work very close together. Paula also does a lot of the um, project managing as well, just going around a Bailey, a new setup. So look at the Art Hub, uh, where we are today. Paula was very heavily involved in a lot of that work. Have you, know, have you met this bloke, Steve uh, Gav? Do you know Steve? Damn, yeah. What, 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 who, what, what, well, not everyone knows Steve as well as Gav, right? What, who is Steve and what's his role? Okay, so Steve Moss, Steve Moss came to Bailey House a number of years ago as he was looking after our maintenance. So Steve, now he has his own handyman business, but what he does is he actually gives us one or two days a week where we can use his skills, knowledge, and I'll have to say his height to be able to do some of the fixing of a lot of the jobs and everything for us. So Steve's there and he's got another friend called Chris who also, you'll see him and those two will be working on lots of jobs that might be heavy, heavy work and things like that to be done. So do you, you get on the tools at all yourself nowadays? I do get on the tools. There might be a little bit of, you know, changing things, washers, things like that. Little jobs I'll do, um, you know, maybe putting signs up somewhere or doing a little bit of shelves, you know, re, refixing some shelves or something. <coughs> Uh, depends on the job. So we work it out between all of us who's going to do them. 
I don't get up on high ladders anymore. Once you turn 60, don't get up any, on Man, any no. ladders. <laughs> what now? So what are the protocols, Ray? If, um, you know, a, a staff member locates an issue they think's a fault mm-hmm. or damage, what, what happens from there? What should they do? Okay, so if you see something and you think it is, you know, it could be a hazard or it could be a maintenance request or, you know, maybe a cupboard door's coming off the hinges or something, best thing is to try and isolate it first if it's dangerous. You always isolate it, uh, make it safe. And then we've got our online, the facility maintenance uh, app. You can use that. Or if you have to go through with your team leader or someone like that, contact them, try and get it to us as soon as possible. Uh, and we will try and get it, you know, fixed as you know as quick as possible. We can, yeah. And I guess for any yeah. pati- any participants too that notice anything, Absolutely. please let us know. Remember, no. Absolutely, I'm going to say I've had a number of times where I've walked around and I've had quite a few of the uh, clients or the residents have actually notified and let me know about an incident. Now, if I can fix it straight away, I'll fix it straight away. If not, I'll you know we'll then notify the uh, house team leader or whoever it is. Put in the, put it into the app. Uh, and then we'll get on to it as soon as possible, yeah. Brilliant. All right, Matt. What's... what's in, that, in that nice, strong voice, Matt, if you could. What jobs have you had at Bain? 40 years, Ray. You've had one or two roles, I believe. Yes, yeah, yeah. I looked at that question. Thank you, Matt. It's a very, very good question. It made me go back for, you know, a long time. Uh, when I first started at Bailey, and that was way back in 84, I was an instructor on the floor. We had an area called Bailey Industries, which was the packaging and assembly area. So I was a young instructor there, working my way through, a young 20-year-old. I wasn't here then, was I? No, Gavin, you weren't, you weren't here. You didn't come to Bailey yet. Um, then I moved on to... I had a few other little special jobs. Special coordinator I was. I organised independent travel... The gym program down in Hampton, down near the train station. Um, and also, uh, we, we started the employment-based services that we had with, the, with down in which Bailey House has now, the day service. Then I moved on as an assistant workshop manager, which meant I was doing a lot of going out, trying to find the contract jobs, trying to find some, you know, jobs for everyone to do, uh, doing quoting, and then became the workshop manager. Uh, and that was for 16 years as the workshop manager, the, doing the contract packaging and assembly. Then I left for a short term, came back, worked in high support for part-time for a while. Then I was uh, James Bainbridge, if some people can remember James. He was looking for a driver to help out, so I helped out. Then James decided he made his uh, decision to um, retire. retire. That was when Bailey provided transport, right? Correct. And that's when Bailey was providing the transport. So I took over the transport, maintenance and essential services. And that was around about 2013. So, yeah. Yeah. And so you've been in a similar sort of role since then? Similar role. Yeah. Yeah. Really, I've sort of, yeah, we've tried to streamline the role. So it's spread out a bit. So there's not too many, you know, you're not doing too much at, you know, being overloaded with a lot of work if you're doing everything, yeah. And we don't have the transport anymore, so for, for the maintenance area. Yep. So that's, yeah. And so uh, could you just briefly explain that workshop that we had there that you were managed for 16 years? Okay, so Bailey, yeah, Bailey Industries um, had a lot of packing jobs. We did jobs for Godfrey's, Light and Easy, uh, collating. We, did, we used to pack show bags for the Royal Show, uh, craft. 
we also had the woodwork there as well. So, you know, we had Andy there as well. So I was coordinating with the woodwork to do all the craft things. They used to cut out wooden toys, things like that, to sell at the Dingley Market. So there was a variety of different con jobs that people could do, but at the same time, they could also, we ran swimming program. I think we did banking, we did all sorts of things. There was lots of, yeah, lots of other programs as well and lots of fun days as well in it, going out to the races and things as well, yeah. Is there a particular uh, or one role that you've uh, found particularly rewarding? Um, I think for me, the, like, the role probably would have been when I took on the job as the workshop, the Bailey Industries manager, um, I was able to not only working on what sort of the jobs and the everything that we were bringing in, but as also seeing the growth of um, all the guys, all the, all the clients working there and that, but also with the staff as well. Watching the staff, watching them coming in, asking questions, wanting to know how, you know, to actually to help with other areas and that, and seeing, you know, their knowledge grow more and more, and just working with a great team. It was working with a, yeah. And it still, still is, I am still working with a great team. I've got to confess, I don't think I've ever really worked out how to wrap a pallet properly. I just kept going and going. Yes, I'm, uh, yeah, I must have known. There was a few, uh, you know, was that? You call that shortcomings, is it, Matt? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, now, Matt, you're, we should let the listeners know. They're probably expecting to hear Bron's voice today, but Bron's been on a bit of a holiday, hasn't she, mate? Yes, she is. She's taken a, a, an extra day off, and you've stepped in. So could you fire away, please, mate, with your first question? Yeah, sure. Um, what was Bailey House like when you started? Yeah, can you describe it, Ray, like physically um, yeah. and the activities and the numbers of people around and yeah. etc. Okay, so um, so when I started in 84, Bailey House, there was only one site, only one service that was um, at Bailey House and that was at 52 Middle Crescent. The main front building and the back building, Bailey Industries, which was no, uh, which was part of 52. There was also only one residential as well called the Bailey Lodge, right? And that was a 15-bed accommodation in Hampton. So um, things were a lot smaller if you can look at now, where we are now, but back then uh, I think it was only about 110 clients and there was 50, about 55 in what was called the, when I started, it was the Adult Therapy Centre, then it turned to the Adult Training Support Service, and Matt would know that, because I think we were still running it then. Then it changed to the day service. But when I started, we had the two different sections. We had what you call now the day service was one area, and Bailey Industries, which was the employment packaging um, area. So we were both two, we were separate areas, but we were on the same area, on the same property. Um, we did a lot of packaging and everything. The other area did a lot more programs, art-based programs, um, singing, um, therapy programs, going out in the community more. But we also, in the Bailey Industries, we also mixed a little bit. There were some things that we mixed. What about the, um, uh, the ratio of male to female staff back then? Well, okay, yeah, okay, so staff numbers. In the, 
in the workshop, in the Bailey Industries, we had, uh, let's see, we'll go Jack Backer, who was in the woodwork, myself and one other male staff person, and Dennis Kennedy was the workshop manager. And I think that was four males and there would have been maybe eight female staff. In the front section, the um, which now the day service part, the only male that was in there was Jim Jamison, who was the general manager or the CEO. There were no males in the front in the front area working in that those areas in the high support areas or anything. That's changed. That's changed a fair bit, hasn't it? That has changed. That has changed a lot over the years, which has been fantastic. It's been yeah. yeah. Luke, come again. Well, we know what Ray does now, what his job is, but we want to know back when he was a boy. What was he? Were you? You How's can ask him. You can ask him. How's Julian? Why? Oh, can you talk to him about his old mate after the interview? We'll just focus on. Can we? Can we focus on these questions? Ben, get out of Jules Radford if you happen to be listening. Uh, um, he's, he's, your name gets brought up a lot, still, Jules. Uh, Lukey. Uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. So we know what Ray does now, but when he was a kid, what did he? You know. I was, um, where, what? Well, remember, we're wondering about what his dreams were back then, right? Yeah, what, what was your dreams? Well, dream job, right? Oh, my God. Particular. So, well, that's probably not the best image there, is it? It's a bit of a challenge. Yeah, it is. Is this the industry you thought you'd work in, Ray? Uh, no, this is not actually, to be honest, it's, it was never my, um, as a kid, it wasn't. Um, my, my dream was probably to follow my father, either become a draftsman or a mechanical engineer, which my father was both, travelled and he travelled around the world and that, um, but uh, that just didn't work. I tried it at RMIT, but it wasn't something for me. Um, so they were, that was probably my dream, my dream jobs to do, was really following my father's footsteps in what he was um, doing. But then suddenly, you know, things change and then you go a different path. Yeah. Where, where did you grow up, Ray? Uh, I grew up, um, do you want me to start from the very start? Yes. <laughs> so I was, yes, born overseas in Scotland, uh, moved to South Africa when I was six months old, lived in South Africa for four years. Came to Australia in 1968 and grew up in Hampton, went to Hampton Primary, Hampton High School. In between Hampton Primary and Hampton High, I was in New Zealand for two years, going to schooling there. And then I was very, very fortunate to be able to, my mum and dad decided to come back to Melbourne. We could have ended up in Canada, I believe dad was planning to go to Canada. Um, but we came back to um, Melbourne in 76. And uh, I grew up, yeah, that's where my, you know, teenage life and adult life has really been. That's why you've got such a strong grasp of uh, Afrikaans <laughs> and, and the Maori that's languages, how, right? That's how I don't, yeah, no, I don't have any, <laughs> any knowledge of that, but um, certainly, ap- absolutely. That's um, how well, 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 yeah. yeah, there's an image Luke's looking at. I don't know if it looks like Ray. Yeah. yeah. No, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't look like <laughs> um, And what about siblings, Ray? Uh, siblings, so, yeah, I've got an uh, elder sister, um, Elaine, who lives in New Zealand. She stayed, um, when we left New Zealand, she stayed there. She married a Kiwi. Um, another sister 
Fortunately, who's passed away, who um, lived up in Harvey Bay for a while. She had three beautiful kids and grandkids and everything. Uh, my brother, um, who was uh, living living in uh, Victoria, but he was in Papua New Guinea for three years. Um, he's no longer around either. It's only, and my parents have, have gone as well. So it's only the two of us, my sister, elder sister and I, which, yeah, are the left now. Yeah. Flying the fairly flag. Matt. What was some of the biggest changes I've seen over the years? Yeah, you must have seen a few changes, right, Matt? Can you remember any big changes that you recall? Futures one. Yeah. Oh, so they've moved now. Yeah, and the staff that worked in Futures one, what were their names? Lynn and Annie. Lynn, Taylor, and Annie Watkins. Yeah, Annie Watkins. And do they still work at Bailey House? No, they don't. No, they don't. What about you, Ray? Changes you've seen? Some of the big changes. Oh, yeah. We, we might be standing in one of them. Well, yes, yeah, yeah. The, uh, certainly this is one of the big changes, but um, going back and I really sort of want to look at what opened my eyes in starting in the 80s and the big change was the closure of a lot of the, um, the bigger institution residential places. Um, you had Sunbury, Jane Fields, St Nick's, and now these are very big places that had a lot of, a lot of you know, people living out in... in um, Seeing those close and then seeing all the residents move to smaller accommodation places has just been absolutely wonderful. And this is sort of the same thing as Bailey House. It's even our Bailey House Lodge, which was 15 beds. When that closed down, you had, you know, we opened up, Fuster Road was uh, opened up next door. Then when Bailey Lodge closed down, we ended up having Leonard Street, Lonsdale Avenue and Earlsfield. So you've taken sort of 15 people out and put them into three separate, you know, sort of areas, which is more, you know, to having independence and more sort of smaller sort of housing. It's a more typical living arrangement, isn't it? It Hey, what about, um, how do you think you might have changed over the journey? All right, Matt, uh, there's probably, yeah, two things here. One is um, probably when I started, if we're looking at uh, maybe who I was as a 20-year-old young boy, um, in looks, when I started at Bailey, I had long hair, a goatee, an earring. Right? <laughs> now, oh, what yeah. have I got? I've got short hair, no goatee, no earring, and I've got a lot of grey hair now. So. <laughs> um, but really, sort of, I think for me, I was, I was very quiet, you know, when I started, you know, at Bailey House, very quiet person, and but I think now I've become stronger in my... Speaking up. What was that, Gavin? And opened up a little bit more. Correct, Gavin. Yep, you're absolutely correct. Opened up a little bit more. But also, I think, in helping and planning things to be able to help um, individuals or groups at Bailey House in achieving goals, um, certainly become stronger on that and also advocating and trying to get out there and get the, the word out, yeah. Sounds like you might have grown as a person, Gav. Hey, and I reckon this is a very good time for your next question, actually. Speaking of events. What happened to the basketball challenges? Yeah, tell us about those, Ray. They were like an annual event, wasn't it? The basketball challenge? Once upon a time? Uh, so we'll go to the basketball challenge? You want to go basketball challenge or you yeah. want to go way back to the, when, where, how it all started yeah. before that? Before yeah. that. Which way? Um, we can go. We'll go first. We'll go. We'll go way back. Cause, we'll go. All right. So, 
And we want you to touch on other things you might be proud of, Ray, that you, that you sort of instigated or had a, you know, played a major role in any events or programs or partnerships you might have fostered in the community. It certainly well. So, so, all right. We're going to go. We're going to go right down. We're going to go start uh, with the what's called the Bayside's basketball that's team. Oh yeah, that's which has been a number of uh, number of clients that have oh, been involved. Yes, Gavin, you you were involved as well. You came in. I was. Now that started in 1992 when I was approached by another service to see if I combined two organisations together, and that was Bailey House and Marriott House. So I had six players from Marriott House and six players from Bailey House. Now, when we first started, I noticed that Marriott House were always passing it to each other and Bailey House were always (coughs) passing it to each other in training. It's only 20, I think. And we slowly and slowly got everybody together and we had some wonderful volunteers. We had a guy called Ron Rutherford who volunteered as our coach. Ron would turn up, he would help me and support me. I had no, no idea about basketball, never played basketball really at school, never wow. played it at any level. No, I was no football, soccer and rugby. Uh, so anyway, from the, the, the Bayside's basketball team, then the spin-off came, which was the Bayside Basketball Challenge, which that turned, yeah, and that was started between having Dominic Savage, Robert Savage's, uh, and Robert Savage, Dominic's nephew, and myself getting together and working out what we could do, have a bit of fun. We first started with, it was first started with the Bayside's playing against the Sandy, I think it was Sandy Sabres. I think it was Robert was playing the Sandy Sabres then. So the challenge was, it, it, the first place we played at was in, um, St James's School Hall in um, Bentley, and that was Bayside's against uh, the Sabres, and then eventually we started mixing it together, but then we wanted to open it up a little bit more. So that would have been around about late 90s, and then it got opened bigger and bigger, and then we were playing, I think we ended up with six teams, or six or eight teams I think we had uh, at some point, and it became an annual event every year, didn't it, Gavin? Yeah. yeah. And teams had a sprinkling of uh, participants from Bailey House yeah. and, and uh, yeah, that was the, that was other, other members of the community, yeah. basketball lovers. Yeah, and that was the wonderful thing is that um, once, once, you know, we sort of, you know, we, we split it all up. We had the players from the Sabres mixing in all the different teams. So we, you know, sort of worked it all out. And we had, yeah, we had, yep, Marriott. Uh, and we had family, other family members coming in to want to play as well. And that was a fantastic, yeah, fantastic event, that one, which hopefully maybe we'll try and get it back off the ground again. Gav, Ray, you initially started to speak about the, the Bayside's basketball team, and I, that, I, I was around then. I remember going to a couple of training sessions over at Brighton Grammar, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Why did you... Why did you train in fingerless gloves? Because it made me look cool. Didn't impact your shooting? Nah. All right. Well, that's fine. Brilliant. Yeah, you uh, wanted to know about the other stuff. Well, what about... We just touched on the, the, another great victory on the weekend against the Elston McEwers. Were you involved in that in its infancy, Ray? Uh, yes, um, I was. It actually, before it, uh, before it started in 2003, 
we were looking at, yeah, when it started, probably it was either two years beforehand, uh, Eddie came to me and asked um, about uh, playing a game of cricket against Elstonwick because his uh, nephew Jeremiah was playing. And it took a little bit of time, but eventually we got there to be able to start the first match in 2003 at Elstonwick. So that one was a combination okay, with Eddie and his, uh, his nephew, Jeremiah, and it's been going for, we worked out, 20, 21 years, but 22 play years. Um, we won yeah. 23 years. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and it's still going strong, and even though Jeremiah's no longer involved in the club, I think he's interstate, but it's still gone from strength to strength, really, hasn't it? They're great fellas. Some of those guys from the Elstonwick club, Longy. Uh, for example, Noddy, were they there Longy right from the outset? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Longy, Noddy, um, they've been there to the se- um, from the very start. And uh, one of the other go- one of the other ones that was playing on Saturday, uh, Macca, Mackenzie ha- uh, Harvey. Mackenzie was only two and a half years old when we started it, and he was hitting the ball then as well. He was still he was a really good cricketer. Still is a good little cricketer. Uh, and Mackenzie, you know, he turns up, turns up, turned up last year, Saturday. So. He's good enough cricketer to play in the big bash, so he's going all right. Uh, Matt, you're up again. Thanks, Matt. Um, which one? Your, your second question, mate. Yeah, sure. Um, what do you do before Bailey House? Oh, OK. Oh, yeah, here we go. That's, yeah. <laughs> you're following along all right, Ray? I'm trying to, yeah, I've got to keep on track here. Um, thanks, guys. Um, Oh, Matt, yes. Uh, I had several little jobs, different jobs than that. Um, I had my own little gardening business for a while. Then um, I worked for the council uh, with aged care. Then I had another job which um, I went to as just part of a gardening clean-up crew, and that was at the Melbourne Cemetery. And then... (laughs) Thanks, Matt. (laughs) Uh, and then I was actually a grave digger for eight months while I was worked at the Melbourne Cemetery in the St Kilda Cemetery. Why do you want people people die? You saying that's a strange job to want to do? People part man. Gavin, it, it's a uh, Gavin. Not it's simple question. Yeah, a very very simple question, but somebody has to do it, and they asked me to help out. And uh, for some unknown reason, I was very good at doing it. And I was not just digging holes. I was also actually looking after with the funeral directors and the families. You know, you've got to support. It's another part of... um, It's the end part of life. um, But it's another part of everybody's, you know, sort of will happen. And funerals do happen. And as a grave digger, um, you've got a job to do. You've got to respect and you've got to be there and, you know, support. Simple question. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. Why? Because it was a job and I needed a job. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ray, what was your first ever paid job? My first ever paid job was, I think, around about when I was about 10 years old on the corner of South Road and Hampton Street selling the Herald and the Sun paper. As a, yeah, and then I, then I moved on when I was allowed to. I could ride my bike five o'clock in the morning and delivering the papers. You know. So, so who were you employed by then? Like a local news agency? A uh, local news agency in uh, up in yep in the Hampton one, uh, and Disney news agency, which was down near the Hampton train station there. <laughs> um, so yeah. How, how did you land at Bailey House? Landed. Okay, so that comes to uh, when I worked at Bailey House for the Home Help. 
Um, I was working for the Sandringham Council, which is now part of the Bayside Council. They started up a new program and that program was, or new support was called uh, Special Home Help. So I was employed to go to a house, wait there for um, a person with a dis you know, disability. And my first person I had was a young boy called Richard. He had severe cerebral palsy in a wheelchair. And I'd wait, I'd, uh, wait for him to get off the bus. He was at Yarrambar, he went to Yarrambar School. And I would look after him for two hours while his parents were still at work. So that's how, and then I, um, part, part the, from that, um, the council sent me to a few places. They sent me to Mentone Autistic Centre. They sent me to Yarrambar School. And they sent me to Bailey House. So I went to Bailey House. I worked there for, or was just seeing how I'm going there for about three or four days. I liked it, I volunteered for a week. And there's the history of, yeah. yeah. A job came up and got the job. Got headhunted. Got head, well, didn't get headhunted, I think it was. Uh, Trudy Sheehan's dad, Pat Sheehan, was working in the workshop. He left, he resigned, and basically I took over, I took over his job, because he was, I think he was, yeah, he was in the workshop, yeah. So. There you go. Uh, Matt, back to you, aren't we, mate? Can you remember your best day at Bailey Have you ever had a best day ever at Bailey House, Matt? The swimming program. The swimming, yeah, you really enjoy that. Yep. What about you, Ray? It's probably a big whittling it down to one day. Maybe you've got some really fond memories. Um, yeah, when... I think I've had I've many lots and lots of best days at Bailey House. There have been many things we've done, but ones that always seem to come to mind are probably things that um, maybe not directly in the workshop or in the programs and everything. It's um, one goes back to Gavin talking about the um, the Bayside um, annual the basketball challenge, yeah. and that was in two thousand and three when we had a very special guest arrive. And he played for the Melbourne Tigers. Andrew Gaze. Andrew Gaze. That was one of the best days because watching all everybody on the court playing on that day with Andrew Gaze, he was on the court, he was high-fiving it. Well, actually, he had to low-five most of the guys because uh, <laughs> he's so tall. He's two, what, two, two, nearly two metres or more than that, yeah. I think. Um, one of my best, yeah, yeah, watching everybody enjoying having a great time playing with the Melbourne Tiger player, which, yeah, always there. The other one I'd have to say would be 1993, the day that myself and 26 other people, 16 clients from Bailey House, headed off to America, to Los Angeles, to go to Disneyland. I think that day, getting on that plane... Took two years in the making, but it was two weeks, you know, going over there for two weeks, going to Disneyland, Universe Studios, all sorts of places, SeaWorld, Hawaii, and just watching, watching everybody have fun. And so, yeah, that's one of my other days. Yeah, that would have been a big undertaking. And a lot of the guys currently still here attended that, did they? Uh, or some of them. Look, some of them. Some of them are still still here. Um, Darren's still Margaret. 
Um, but it's also great memories of sort of enjoying the times with the ones that we don't have here anymore. Tony Devine, Cooley, Tamara. Sally Ball, Matt's saying, yeah. Was Sally Ball involved? No, Sally, no. Sally didn't attend that one, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be a great memory. Lukey, yeah. so we, we know what Ray likes to do, or what he does at Bailey. Yeah, I'm just... And we want to know about the man when he's got some free time. So your question for Ray is... Just thinking about stuff on my mind. Yeah, I know. You've got some other things on your mind. But if you can focus on this, that'd be great, old boy. Yeah. Down a bit. <laughs> I'm too much in your face. Sorry. So we want to know. Well, we want to know how he spends his time away from Bailey. So the question is: Do you? What? Uh, People call them hobbies. Is that right? I said I that right. Get it? Hobbies. What hobbies? Do you do? Brilliant. Have you got a particular hobby you like to do away from Bailey, Luke? Do you away. go fishing or, yeah, when you're not at Bailey, do you go fishing or? Have you got a particular hobby you in, uh, indulge in? You're not knitting? Uh... I don't knit. All right. <laughs> I knit near St Kilda. Yeah, you follow the Saints pretty closely. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a hobby. It's an interest, oh. Ray. Well, I was actually when I when I was looking at the the question here, um, looked it up. But actually, going to the football and that is a hobby, and that's you know I like watching my tigers play. It's a hobby for me. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff that I like, you know, doing um, at home or something is I like woodwork. So I have my uh, my shed where I'll do little odd jobs and. My wife's got a good habit of finding old furniture and that, so I'm, I'm, I restore it, which I love, I love doing. I mean, I've got the time. Um, I love restoring old furniture or doing little jobs around the house. Reading, I do love to read, so if I get, you know, a nice book or something like that, I've got a few authors that I, you know, like their work, so when they come out, I always enjoy reading their books. Um, watching TV is a hobby. Um, my sports. My Formula One, as um, I think uh, Matt and I had a chat about on uh, on Saturday. Uh, Married at first sight, Love Island. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, none of those. Are, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I don't want to offend anybody, but no, 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 um, no Master Chef either, or anything like that. Or, Reality TV is not your go. Even, yeah, I don't even watch. You know, Australia's Got Talent or anything, or you know, all of those sort of shows. Yeah. So it's more, and one of the big hobbies that I really, really enjoy, and it does come under as a hobby, catching up with friends. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, and catching up with friends is not, not sometimes it's not easy because you've got to coordinate them all. Got to get them all together, same yeah. spot. That's always hard sometimes, or you've got to run around and get them, but it's, it's worth doing it. Um, catch up with your friends because that's the best thing, which I did yesterday. We caught up with friends yesterday, had a great time. Nice little cottage down at um, Sage Cottage which is run by, with um, clients from Wallara, down in Baxter. Yeah, nice little place. Didn't you have a hobby? You tried water, uh, white water rafting one time, didn't you, with uh, some mates? Was that a hobby? That ended quite well, didn't it? You and Andy? Uh... <laughs> uh, it wasn't white, well, it wasn't white water rafting. It was a weekend, it was a three-day weekend away canoeing, Canadian canoeing down the Murray. 
Unfortunately, the Murray was about 27 feet above its normal, running at four or five times its uh, speed. Yes, four of us all tipped, uh, tipped the uh, canoes over, um, ended up in the Murray, lost a lot of gear. We were very wet for, a couple of, for one of the nights. Uh, the man that was picking us up, we called him up early and said, pick us up, please, because we, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, but one of my other hobbies which I enjoyed was camping and water skiing. So yeah. You live to tell the tale. I do, I, yeah, yeah, lucky enough. Life jackets on, right? Life jackets on all the time. No, I never go in the water without having a life jacket on, especially if it's going to be the Murray or out in the bay. Um, you've always got to have a life jacket on, yeah. And you, you hadn't consumed any alcohol in that adventure? Not when we were canoeing. <laughs> Maybe prior. <laughs> uh, over to you, please, Matt. Um, what are we up to? Uh, I think it's your second last question. This one? Yep. What has kept you here at Bailey House? <sighs> How long did he say he's been here, Matt? How many years? 30 years. I think it was 40, Ray. 40 years, Matt, right? Yeah. Yeah, 40, 40 years, Matt, yeah. Um... What's kept me at Bailey House? I just... Matt? Opportunity, there, there's... Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know if you call it a passion to keep on, you know, just supporting, helping, whatever I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's big, small or whatever. It's something that I, I've always loved to, you know, sort of support and see everyone grow, not just... I've always been... Um, clients or residents in the houses, but staff as well have always been able to, you know, be there. You know, I don't know. It's it's something you can't... It's hard to put a label on it, hard to describe what it is, but it's always been there. I've always felt it's always been a, a home and a place that, uh, yeah, is wonderful. So, Quite re- rewarding, perhaps. Very rewarding, yeah. yeah. You mentioned earlier that you left briefly, so what drew you back on that occasion? Uh, when, yeah, when I left, um, my plans were never, never actually to leave Bailey House in the sense of not coming, ever coming back. Um, it was just time just to have a break. Um, and I, yeah, there was always probably something under there, underneath sort of saying that, yeah, I'll be coming back. And I, and I did come back when that was, when James needed the help, but I would have, you know, come back anyway. Yeah. I think this might be your last question, Matt Lloyd. What is your... Have a a mentor here? Oh, sorry, Matt, I sort of rushed you. Can you start again in a nice, strong voice, yeah? Did you have a... Have a a mentor here? We talked about this word, didn't we, Matt? Mentor. Do you remember what a mentor is? No. Gav, do you recall what a mentor is? What helps people and teaches people. That's pretty accurate, right? Yeah, that's very accurate. Accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I had two, probably two people when I started at Bailey House, and throughout the years, I would consider as a mentor to me. Um, one, most of us we all know, is Faye Barrow. Um, yeah. Now, Faye, Faye, and I, when I started, we weren't working in the same sections, um, same two, in the same buildings, but still. Um, watching Faye, watching her run programs, how she interacted, how a dedication to any job, big, small, um, she put in the same amount of effort and everything, and that's why I hope I got from Faye. She gave me lots of advice. 
First one was, get your hair cut if you want to get a job, which I did, and I got the job. <laughs> um, the other one is a gentleman that I became watching him in the workshop, and his name was John Cox. And John, thank you for everything that you've taught me at Bailey Industries and in general just things doing and how to support people with disabilities. Um, John knew most of the jobs in Bailey Industries when I started, so he was always there to be able to show, he showed me, he showed me what, what jobs had to be done and everything. Um, and I was guided by a lot of the stuff that he was, you know, he was doing, what he needed, what supports, and from there, he was able to um, give me the skills to pass those on to others, which was great, you know, which, is, which I consider John as, yeah, yeah, and John, John still attends Bailey House. He still does, which has been wonderful always, yeah. Gav, you've got a music-related one, I think, coming up. What, what, is, what is your favourite music? What is my favourite music? So, as probably as a kid growing up, um, it was more 50s and 60s, probably from my parents and that. But for me, I still love the 60s music, so 60s, 70s and early 80s is sort of my music, so it's really anything from, I put down a little bit of a list that I love listening to, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Eric Clapton, um, and then you go to the other rock sort of side of ACDC to Skyhawks, Cold Chisel, Jimmy Barnes, um, and then even a little bit of blues, a bit of you know John Lee Hooker or something like that. So I've got a bit of a wide range of music that I like, but really most of the times it'll probably be within the 70s. So maybe Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like do you remember the last song that you chose to listen to? Um, before you grew up. Might have been on the weekend. Before you grew up. No, 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 I'm just talking about what, what was the last song Ray, Ray chose to listen to himself? Uh, Did he choose on his, uh, on his phone or...? Can you put a record on? My phone. <laughs> go, on, go on, let's do it. Let me have a look and see if I can find it. I'll, I'm going to. I'm having a look and see what was the last one I had a look at. I know the 1927 was my uh, Spotify one for last year. Uh, where are we, Matt? Let's see. Um, just no, just he's just navigating through his phone here. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Could be bad here. Come on, what's coming up? Oh, look, it's the Bailey Babble. <laughs> I actually think the last song I uh, did play probably was my son's rap song. So, yeah, tell us a bit about the hip. It's hip hop, right? I was thinking you probably listen to a bit of hip hop yourself these days. Is it just Luke's hip hop, or have you sort of to start to get an appreciation for the hip hop in general? I uh, I must admit it's not my it's not my music, um, but I do appreciate. Um, what they put into it, into hip hop and uh, and rap and everything, the lyrics, the beats that Luke does, and everyone else out there, it's an amazing. Got to have a good talent. You got to have a very good knowledge to put all, a lot of this stuff all together. Um, so I support my son with it, and I love going to the shows and seeing him perform, uh, and his other mates that are performing as well and everything. Um, but it's not my prefer. You know, well, what's Luke known as? Just for those. People that are listening will give Luke a bit of a leg up here. If people want to find his music, what are they, what are they searching for? Uh, so you'll be looking for on if it's either on Instagram or Spotify or something. It is K N G Munro M U M U N R O. 
So KNG Munro he goes by. What's the KNG stand for? Is that King? It's yeah, kind of, like, yeah, kind it's of. Like a, yeah, it's like a, I guess, yeah, short version of King. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, beautiful. Uh, where are we heading to? Where Looky, you got a picture of uh, this one here, mate. We've progressed to. We've got to keep a bit of a wriggle on, Luke, because we've only got okay, a okay, limited okay, amount of time. Yep. So, next, please. Well, Luke just, sorry, Ray just talked about another Luke. But we want to know a bit about, about the rest of Isa. Who is in your family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their own, your own family you've created, right? All right. So uh, my family, um, I guess, is starters as my wife, Sarah, who I met in 1986. Um, backstory, she was a student. Um, sorry? But where, but where do you meet her? I met her at Bailey House in 1986. She was a student at La Trobe University doing a, uh, a Bachelor in Disability. Um, and a close friend of mine that worked at Bailey House, and some of you will know, Julian Radford, mm. he saw Sarah there and asked her a question, asked her if she was related to a girl called Louise. And Sarah said, yes, that's my oh, sister. Please. And then from there, we went out um, for a drink, the three of us. And then over the time, Sarah and I started going out. And, um, yeah, we um, probably at about December 86 when we started going out. So that was going way back in March, April um, when we met. Um, but then we started going out more and more. And, uh, yeah, travelled and um, then married in 92. How did you propose to Sarah, right? Um, we were uh, on a flight... Sorry, Luke. Down on one knee. Uh, no, mate, uh, Luke, I didn't get down on one knee. I, I couldn't do that at the time um, <laughs> due to restrictions from the aeroplane. Um, we were flying to Tasmania. I had the ring in the pocket, uh, which went off through the metal detector, which was a bit embarrassing, but Sarah didn't see it. Uh, so when we hit the 30,000 feet, uh, I proposed for her, thinking that... Um, she wouldn't do anything to embarrass me or anything like that. But she yelled out and then the captain came with an announcement on the plane <laughs> that we, we had got engaged. Um, and I did speak to her father as well, so, yeah. Got the all clear. Got the all clear. Now, speaking of Sarah... Oh, we got my other Well, hang on. Yep. Yeah, well, we better talk about your daughter as well. Yeah, yeah. So, Molly... Um, it's Molly. Molly, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, I know. No, I want to get back to Sarah. And we've only yeah. got about 10 minutes to go, Ray. So. Okay. All right. So Molly, yep. Uh, Molly was uh, born 98 on uh, the 25th of December on Christmas Day. Wonderful surprise. She was early. Um, <laughs> but an absolutely wonderful girl. And she has just finished her uh, graphic design um, degree. And she um, does commissions of characters, things like that, Dungeons and Dragons, anime work and things like that she, oh, yeah, that she loves right. doing. That's what yeah, that, that could interest Dan, who's a big Dungeons and Dragons man. Ray, now t t tell me about Sarah. Am I right in remembering Sarah enters a lot of competitions? Does she still enter a lot of competitions? What are some of the best prizes she's ever won? Uh, yes, Sarah does. That's her. Um, that's probably yeah, what you call a hobby. That's her hobby. Uh, her de-stressing from work. Uh, she's won some wonderful, wonderful uh, prizes. Um, we've had trips overseas. 
We had a trip in 2008 to America to the Oscars um, preview party at um, Beverly Hills Hotel where we got to meet a lot of actors, um, mainly probably from my generation of actors. Um, but, you know, there was a few other famous people, you know, others there from Meatloaf to Buzz Aldrin, the astronaut, was there. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of uh, actors from the 70s music shows and things like that. David Carradine was there. There was a lot, yeah, lots. Uh, so things like that um, to a year's supply of Tim Tams, um, which was always a good little one, uh, to a holiday that we went on the Garn. We, um, we couldn't, we didn't go to America. It was a trip, to, trip in uh, Route 66 in America. But we changed it because of COVID and that, and so we went on the Garn train from Adelaide to Darwin, which was wonderful. Yeah. How many packets of Tim Tams is a year's supply? Is it a pallet? Eighteen. Oh, look, I don't know. I think I can't remember, but it just kept on boxes coming all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to see another Tim Tam again? <laughs> no, I didn't want to see another Tim Tam for a long time, yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, we've got a couple to go. This is the last question. From you, mate, please. Tell us a bit about your travels. Yeah, yeah. Where have you been, Ray? And and some travel advice. One, one. Your best piece of travel advice. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll keep it short. Um, well, when Sarah and I met, one of the things was um, that we would travel a lot. Um, our first our first trip was Sarah was going to England to see her grandmother and that, and I thought, well, I'll come along, and that was in '86, and we'll go to Scotland and see my uh, my relatives and that. And from there on, we've travelled quite a lot. Ninety-six, we six we travelled for six months around the world, going to Egypt and and um, all sorts of places, climbing mountains in Asia and that. Um, but we went to a place that I absolutely love, uh, which was Italy, and love Italy. And um, best place to go to is Florence. Yeah. For me, that was the best city I've ever seen so far. And just the atmosphere of the place was just wonderful. And a favourite of former guest and former CEO Warwick as well, right? What about your best ever piece? What about your best piece of travel travel advice? Uh, best. You travel a lot. Um, well, it's always be planned and plan plan everything, right? I know sometimes you can plan and not actually go there, but just make sure you know what you're doing. Um, keep all your valuables safe anyway. Um, Look, have a good camera, I guess, is always a good thing. Um, make sure you read up on all the rules because sometimes you get to a country and it's going to take you a long time to get in there if you haven't, um, if you haven't actually uh, ticked all the boxes correctly. Yeah. Any, any plans, Ray, for another trip shortly? Uh, yes. Yeah, um, heading over to Hungary and Croatia, two countries I've never been to, and then back to Italy, and that's in May this year. Which reminds me, Luke, it's nearly lunchtime. So we've got to scoot through the last couple, mate. This one, please. Do you have a rabbit? Do I have a rabbit? Well, Jules... He, he carries on like a rabbit sometimes, Luke. <laughs> you do. What's that? I'd, I'd, well, my kids had... Yeah, we did have... Uh, we had guinea pigs, but um, I did have a rabbit when I was living with Julian Radford. We had a rabbit called Blanche that ran around the house... Um, I don't have a rabbit. We, I have uh, had dogs, so I've got a dog. I've now got a, a, a staffy, who's two and a half years old, called Trunks. How, do you come, how many dogs have you had over the journey, Ray, just quickly, and their names? Okay, so for me, the dogs that I've owned myself was Paris, 
Paris was a Springer Spaniel, and that was uh, the first dog I had that used to come to Bailey House for about 12 years, I think. Then, then uh, Sarah and I, uh, we had a whippet, a cross whippet called um, Amber. Then when Amber passed away, we then had an adoption of a greyhound. And the greyhound's name was Mork. And yes, he did have a sister called Mindy. Mindy. So we had Mork for three years, but unfortunately Mork's health wasn't well. And then we got uh, Trunks, the Staffy. And he's my son's dog, but I'm the one that this morning at... Uh, Ooh, about 6.30 this morning walking him at the park. He's not jumping the fence like the greyhound? Uh, greyhound didn't jump the fence, but the whippet did. Uh, greyhounds, yeah, they're just lovely, placid dogs. Yeah. Uh, Gav, lucky last question, which is Dan's doozy. What is the best MacGyver job? Yeah, he was on TV, wasn't he, uh, Gav, MacGyver? Yeah. He had a great ability to just improvise, right? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about this and I was going, I love watching Mac- MacGyver um, with all his talents of what he could do. And most of the times he would get himself out of trouble or he'd be locked in a room with someone else and he's got to blow it up or something. But I was thinking about what was my best MacGyver thing I've done and I think it was once in the workshop, I was doing making up what's called a jig, something to help someone support them to do a job. We had a packaging job which was stapling some header cards on plastic bags with an item inside. And this gentleman um, only had the use of one, one arm, so he only had the use of one hand. And I made up a jig that was able to, for him to be able to put the header card on, push the staplers down. I know it's radio or, you know, the babble, you can't see it. But he was able to do the job just with his one hand, one arm. So I think for me, that got us out, got him out of trouble, got me out of trouble, and he loved doing the job. So that, to me, that was the escape. Yeah, and it was really meaningful. Hey, Ray, well, thank you so much for your time and for your 40 years of service to Bailey House. You've been a great mentor for someone like me, to be honest. At Luke, Luke, hang on, I'm trying to be serious. Do you put up with Matt Thomas? He's still putting up. Hey, no, but I just wanted to say, Luke, and I think you would agree that... Um, uh, um, Gray, Ray, Gray, Ray. <laughs> yeah, Gray, Ray. So Gray's been a great mentor to me, but more than that, I reckon Ray Fairley is a model a in decency and just how to treat your fellow man, Ray Fairley. Thank you so much for your time at the Babble. Matt Kirk, thanks for being a part of it. Thanks, Bordy. Lukey, until next time. Yeah. Okay. Gav, adios, amigos. Adios. And Matt Lloyd, thanks adios. once again. And thanks for our loyal listeners. Thanks a bunch, Ray. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Thank you, Springer. And to our loyal listeners, thanks for dabbling in all our babbling. This has been the Bailey Babble. That wasn't too stressful, was it, Ray? Not stressful at all, but it was a pleasure, actually. It was lovely. (laughs)